0: All right, I have Lydia with me right now. Lydia, can you tell me what is your favorite animal and why? A dolphin, because I think it's really cool that they're really smart. And once I saw a mom and a baby dolphin jumping. Whoa, that's so cool. Well, thank you so much for answering my question.
1: Let's sit down and talk about your story. I'll
0: show you that you're far from boring. A lot better when you share with someone that cares This
1: is Happy Talks
0: Hey you guys, welcome to Happy Talks, this is Aaron
1: And this is Eddie
0: And I met Eddie at my church Um trying to think, like initial first impression um we haven't got to sit down and like really talk to one another i think but i mean you were always like a really solid person um i always enjoyed being around you You you're very peaceful um such so as overall great guy, and then you know Elijah had glowing things to say about you on your wedding day, which I was there for that. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll just kind of let you start talking. Right.
1: Yep. As you married, as you mentioned, I just did get married in May on May sixth, mm-hmm. and so that's been a great adjustment in my life. Yeah. And, and so. Just is newly wed, it's only been a month. And so, going back to the life story, like we talked about. So, uh, growing up, you know, I had a mom and a dad, hmm. and two sisters. Oh, so older, both, or younger? They were both younger. Okay. Yeah, one was three years younger, and one was five years younger. Wow. And so, yeah, it was a uh, I was the odd man out. (laughs) And so growing up, you know, we got into school and the younger years, I really can't remember. I mean, I remember having fun outside, like riding go-karts and (laughs) four-wheelers and things. I think I got my first four-wheeler when I was two.
0: Where did you grow up?
1: In Byron. Okay. Yeah, and then we moved to Madison in elementary school when I was in second grade, and so you know I was pretty quiet
0: mm-hmm.
1: all my life, and and kids just you know they don't particularly I guess they don't really like that, hmm. and so always the loner kind of, and mm-hmm. growing up, and so I can remember and. Third and fourth grade, whenever I was, you know, doing the loner thing, I can always remember back on the playground getting beat up and Aww. bullied and all that stuff just because I was the odd kid and yeah. I, I was a little bit overweight and so kids tended to pick on me yeah, throw rocks at me and things like that and so... And that's that went on for all elementary school and you know and probably I can remember getting sad with the mechanical pencils because they first mm. came out when I was in elementary school. And oh wow! My mom digging it out of my back oh my when gosh. I came home from school. And so you know it was just when you when you're a loner and you don't fit in with the crowd people think you're different and tend to attack that because mm. they don't understand it yeah they don't understand how you can be peaceful by yourself but mm. so yeah that went on for a, a lot of a lot of time in the elementary school and so fifth so we got hooked up with the church by, dad always steered clear of the church because he had bad experiences in him mm. and so but one day he finally went and visited a church out there and so he brought us in as a family and we started going to church pretty consistently and so fifth grade rolled around and you know same story <laughs> always getting beat up because yeah. I never I really didn't defend myself or anything like that because mm-hmm. my dad got big into the Bible at the time. Yeah. And so he was like, yeah, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I can remember doing that for for quite a while. And same story on the playground, you know, getting dog piled, which that's pretty normal, but uh, bullying and mm-hmm. things like that. And so, you know, I just, I had this grandfather that was, he actually lifted weights and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so he would take me to the gym and, and so I would, I remember getting angry and running away a lot whenever these People would try to fight me and things like that. So, one particular day I decided to, to fight back, which really was, a, it shaped my life in the wrong way. Mm. And so, this kid was about six something in fifth grade, six two, six three, and he was one of the main ones that bullied me. And so, I ended up, they were circling around, and you know, me and him were, we squared up. And so he was punching me and I finally just grabbed his shirt and I caught him in the nose. And so I punched him and hit his nose. And that really took my life a different direction Mm
0: -hmm.
1: as far as getting picked on and things like that throughout the school. And so I just remember whenever we would play football in the backyards and things like that and a scuffle did break out.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I would fight back and ended up um, just standing my ground, and then I really didn't get picked on mm. much anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: But that led me into a whole different avenue where I was fighting all the time now. Mm. And so it's, that's sixth grade, seventh grade rolls around, and I'm still known as the outsider because you know I didn't really fit in with anybody because I didn't care to.
0: Mm. Yeah. And
1: so that's and the fighting got me a reputation to wear with the outcasts to school, the Mm -hmm. ones that smoked weed and drank and did things like that. And so I, one summer I started hanging out with these kids and I mean, you know, in the in our home, there there was alcohol and always like that. And my parents smoked and drank and stuff. So, mm-hmm. You know, I'm brought up and thinking that's uh, pretty normal. Yeah. Because you're a kid and you see that stuff and so mm-hmm. you think it's cool because your parents are doing it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and so anyway, one summer I get connected with these other kids and so. That's just when it all started. Mm. Smoking and drinking and tried weed for the first time. Mm. Really didn't feel anything, but ate a bunch of pizza. And so I just continued doing that. until I did get a catch a buzz mm. and it just spiraled out of control from there. Mm. So going into high school, I was still fighting because, and, and a lot of the fights were because people in, like PE and stuff, mm-hmm. they would pick on the people with special with the problems and mm. and so we would get in argues with that because they would be picking on someone that was had a learning disability. Mm. And so I would find myself standing up for those people because yeah. although I didn't have a learning disability I was picked on and so I yeah. didn't think it was right. So got in kind of fights like that. Mm. and then, you know, you uh, it's just like what the uh, people teach you when they come to your schools. They mm-hmm. say nicotine and alcohol and weed mm-hmm. they're all gateway drugs. Yeah. And so in my experience, that was the case mm-hmm. as far as the gateway drugs. It, yeah. was, it was the things that opened the door because when you start dabbling in that sort of scenery with those sort of people, one thing leads to another, and a, a person comes out with a bag of white stuff. Yeah. Cocaine and ecstasy was was really rampant when I was in high school. Mm. Like it was everywhere. Yeah. And so the weed became cocaine, then ecstasy, and mm. and then um, just partying all yes. the time.
0: And how old were you when you first started that?
1: Well, the weed and Mm -hmm. the drinking was 13, 14, and then the cocaine and ecstasy was 15, 16. And so it got to the point where I made a whole different crowd of friends. Yeah. And so worse worse than just the smoking weed and yeah. drinking. It's all bad, but,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it's uh, some of the stuff that you dare to go near,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like cocaine and ecstasy. And so mm-hmm. that crowd, I really started hanging out with really hard, running with them, and we would do ecstasy every weekend. Mm-hmm. And so it's a uh, I would sleep during the day while I was at school Yeah. to sleep on the desk. And, mm-hmm. You know, I was real respectful to the teachers still. So they uh, kind of shied away from asking me what was wrong or things like that. And, yeah. and it seemed that I maintained where I passed. I did fail a few, few times, mm-hmm. a few classes, but you know, you, they got summer school and stuff for that. So I did summer school.
0: Yeah.
1: And it just uh, just kept progressing from there. Mm-hmm. So I just talked about the ecstasy and the cocaine, and um, you know lived a real promiscuous promiscuous lifestyle with girls and drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and all that, and was known for that. throughout high school and that became my identity
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I identify with the people that did drugs or party things of that nature and and so I I was always searching for that acceptance for people to Mm -hmm. accept and Mm -hmm. which I wasn't but I was because I was on the outside but you know you you want to fit in and when you find people to fit in with it's that stuff becomes normal like becomes everyday life so smoking and drinking and doing drugs every day.
0: What happened after high school?
1: Yeah, after high school I enrolled in college for a semester. Mm-hmm. I actually had to go to summer school to get my diploma mm-hmm. in order to pass and get my diploma from high school. Yeah. So I graduated and was uh, enrolled to go to college but I dropped because I missed too many days Mm -hmm. because of my partying
0: yeah and so did you
1: go in knowing what you wanted to do or no you know I just went in because that's what was suggested to me yeah and so I just went in for general studies and I don't know if I really had a dream back then. Like what I wanted to do, I think I just wanted to sell drugs to make it, be under, live under rock basically, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's what I did. Like I, I didn't mention that part in high school, but I started selling the drugs so I could afford the drugs because mm-hmm. you know you think where where did you get all this money to do all these drugs, and yeah. so it really was getting. An amount of drugs and selling a portion of them, so I could do the drugs for free.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I mean, I was just—that's—I that was hooked on a feeling, mm. yeah. and that was life. It became life. Paranoia set in and all that, and so I'm going to college and and things just kept progressively getting worse. We just partied all the time, so I stayed high,
0: mm.
1: and then I got an opportunity to try meth. Mm-hmm. And so, whereas I was smoking weed every day, mm-hmm. meth took that place. Mm-hmm. And so I smoked yeah. that every day for all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And so, in order to afford that and have a little extra cash, I would sell that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, were just, you living at home all this time, or?
1: Yeah, I was living in Jackson, and then I had a bunch of girlfriends that I would live with. Mm-hmm. That that uh. I rented a few places in, in Jackson too. And so real promiscuous life mm, and yeah. was, uh, a, was a, a whole different lifetime ago, but mm. yeah. And then that's where I stayed at and did that and just was a menace to society really. Mm. And so as the, as I kept doing the myth and kept doing the lifestyle I was living in it just like I said progressively got worse to where I did do things that weren't right I robbed people or had people set up to be robbed just so you could you know get your next fix or have enough money for a hotel room for a week a month whatever and so that's where I bounced around hotel to hotel and probably stayed in the majority of the hotels around here. Mm. Just whichever one seemed like they weren't, uh, didn't have too much security. Mm. Steered way far away from the cops as I could because, you know, I was living an illegal lifestyle. Yeah. And that just, it just kept on going and going. And so I lived at rock bottom mm-hmm. all the way when I started doing drugs. That was yeah. rock bottom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I lived there for... Years and years and years, and just kept kept going down that route, and then tried heroin or tried synthetic heroin, lotits yeah. and morphine and things like that, and ended up using the a needle, um, IV user. Yeah. And so I, I um, they thought, well, smoke meth and then. Shoot up heroin or dilaudid, whatever yeah. whatever painkiller, or opiate I could get or afford that day, and so that's just speedball.
0: Yeah. And was there anything that you were trying to escape from, or were you just kind of chasing the feeling? Or
1: I mean, I always looked at it like I. That's what I wanted to do. I never Mm. did want to quit. Yeah.
0: Because
1: I didn't know any other kind of life. Mm. I mean, you know, I didn't grow up and all that, but it was always accessible and always around. Mm. And I mean, continuing on, yeah, that's, that's what I was just hooked on that feeling. And the people I was around did the same thing. So it was normal.
0: How did you ever get out of that?
1: So whenever I was trying, I I had a, I got arrested when I was 21. Ah. And so I did, I went to jail for about a month and stayed there and then got out, bonded out and stipulation to bond out for, it was a $30,000 bond. Mm. In order to bond out for $20,000, the stipulation was I had to go directly to rehab. Mm. So I went to rehab and you know, I, I treated rehab like a joke.
0: Mm.
1: I, I still shot Dilaudid's in there. Oh. I drank whenever I had my weekend passes. I went for 105 days. Mm. And so after I got out there, I had to do probation mm. for some time. And I did a first-time offenders program because... Well, when I was younger, I got arrested quite a few times, mm-hmm. three or four times, Yeah. and it was for minor in possession, like mm-hmm. tobacco and yeah. drinking, alcohol and things like that. Mm-hmm. I did get arrested one time in Lee County for breaking and entering, but it was it was an old country town, so good old boys, the ones I was with, I got, I got in trouble with, mm-hmm. they knew people, and so they, they made our parents give restitution of $500 each for mm. kicking in this guy's door. Yeah. And But yeah, all those times that I was arrested was while I was a minor, mm. before I was 18. And so when I was 21, that counted as my first time as an adult.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: So I got arrested, went to rehab then probation and I treated probation like a joke too. Mm-hmm. So I was still doing drugs, but I had to take a drug test every month. So I would quit doing the drugs. We, uh, marijuana stayed in your system for about 30 days. Mm. And so I was doing the heavy drugs. Yeah, Cause like I said, meth took the place of yeah. marijuana and all that. And so shooting up, the painkillers, the opiates, those only stay in your system for a day, two days at the most. And meth too. So I quit for, I would do it for about three weeks, quit for a week and chug about a gallon of water mm-hmm. to where it just, when I peed, it was just straight water into yeah. the test. And so I ended up passing every time. Mm-hmm. And then I just quit going to probation at the very last month. Mm-hmm. And cause I, I think I broke up with a girl and I was just like devastated. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like quit going and the probation officer, my best friend actually married his daughter, and so he called me up and he was like, Jack, because, you know, that's my legal name. He was like, Jack, what? you just missed your last visit. What's going on?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I made up some lie. I was like, yeah, man, I was just, uh, I thought I was done with it. I thought I had paid y'all all the money because I had to pay $225 a month mm-hmm. plus the $70 to go see another guy plus the 40 to... Take the drug test. So it was the big money thing. Mm. That's all they wanted really. Yeah. And I was the first time offender in their eyes, so I wasn't really that big of a threat to society mm. that they deemed yet. Yeah. And so yeah, I ended up saying, Man, I'm sorry. He's like, It's all right, Jack, just give me your money. And he gave me a little grace because his daughter was married to my best friend mm. at the time. And so ended up, by the grace of God, getting off probation because they would have sent me to prison for breaking probation. Yeah. Finished that, and life didn't change because I treated all that like a joke. And then mm-hmm. years down the road, probably when I was like 26, I was like, hey, I need to do something different. Hmm. And... I was hearing all these voices, these demonic voices, from being drug-induced paranoia yeah. and and it was all psychedelic drugs that I did, and it would make me hear these voices. So where they would be demons, mm. and they would just talk me and torment me and play tricks on me, make people make me think that there was people that could hear my inside thoughts. Oh. So, I mean, it was just horrible. Yeah. And it was like witchcraft, like to where they would say, yeah, certain way people hold their hands or stuff, I means they're the Illuminati, uh. or things like that. And <laughs> yeah. Stuff. So yeah, they really messed with my mind and, and just spoke horrific things over me. And, mm-hmm. And so I was, you know, I said, I mentioned that I went to church for a a short period when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And so I felt the need to start reading the Bible because I thought the voices would stop.
0: Mm. Because
1: I always understood there was a God, Mm. just didn't have that relationship with that God. Yeah. I thought, I thought the same thing up. For example, um, deism is the thought where there's a. a god but he has no kind of intermingling with humans he's just like there but he lets them do their own thing and Mm -hmm. doesn't concern himself with that kind of stuff yeah and so i started reading the bible and a couple more years went when i mean in hopes that these voices would stop but they wouldn't Mm -hmm. and so i thought i better just quit doing these drugs and tried to quit doing drugs and quit them for a little bit and went through withdrawals off and on Mm. for years, thinking, uh, because I didn't want to stop. And so
0: Mm.
1: a time hit in my life where I was like, I'm just going to stop. Tried stopping 30 30 days plus, I, I did. And, but I ended up moving out to Texas. My mom and sisters, mom and dad got a divorce when I was, Right after I graduated high school Mm. and so she well my sister moved out to Texas and then she my mom and my other sister both moved out there too so I moved out there in hopes to kind of start a new life yeah and got out there and found that their meth was a whole lot cheaper out there because there's Mm. In Dallas-Fort Worth area, there's over 4 million people, wow. so that's about the equivalent to our whole state. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. we have 7 million, but in one area, and so, and plus it's right next to Mexico, so you got a cartel that brings all that stuff mm-hmm. in and they make it out there. So I found it was cheaper out there, so I just picked up doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and cause you really can't run from your problems. Yeah. And so, you know, I I mentioned that I read the Bible whenever I heard those demonic voices. And when I moved up there, they picked right back up Mm because I started doing the same thing. Yeah. And as I'm out there, I started reading the Bible again. And really all throughout my life, if I if I look back, I can see where God's hand was on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was baptized and I believed there was God. I just didn't have that relationship with Him. Yeah. But all throughout my life I felt Him calling me and He kept me from dying so many times. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, one example is I was on a motorcycle wreck and cracked my head on the pavement. Luckily, I had a helmet on and so now I walk with a limp because mm-hmm. my bone came out of my left ankle and Wow. It just cracked. That was one of the severe times, because I was going to score and make a quick dollar selling it. Then another time, I was heading out to Scott County, and I had a quarter ounce on me, which is seven grams Mm -hmm. of meth. I was going out there because there was a, a drought around here where everybody was paying more for the mm-hmm. for the dope than what it was what what I could get it for and so I was taking it out to Scott County and gonna sell it for $500 where I just got it for 200 mm-hmm. so I was gonna make $300 but on the way out there I got pulled over and so I ingested the whole seven grams because I didn't want to go to jail. And it was the narcotics officers behind us, the ones that pulled us over. So I don't know if they got tipped off that we were coming out there or whatever. But anyway, I I crammed it up as small as I could in a a baggie and I swallowed it. Somehow it went down. So I got searched and they didn't find anything. But as I was being searched, uh, I guess from the bag being so constricted, it broke open in my in my stomach,
0: mm. and
1: it, it caused me to start hallucinating and tripping and overamping, which my body temperature just rose to mm. a temperature that I could my brain couldn't handle. Oh yeah. And so it shut down my body, and they the people I was with ended up dropping me off at a little doctor's office out there, mm. and they uh, they called UMC. UMMC because they couldn't do anything out there. They didn't have technology or the tools to do it. Yeah. So the helicopter came by and they packed my body in ice. And at this point I was unconscious. They flew me to the UMC and, and hooked all these things up to my arms. And that's just one of the times that God saved me mm-hmm. because people that swallow half that amount have been reported to die. Yeah, And so all throughout my life, Jesus has just been there helping me throughout the way, saying, hey, you don't have to live like this. Just follow me. And I got out there to Texas and did the same thing, like I said. And finally, I was reading in Psalms where... You hear David, or these songs you you read that they're meant to be sung, the poems and things like that. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: so I started singing these songs to God. Mm -hmm. Like I would make up my own poems to Him and I would uh, spend time in the Bible, still doing meth, still hearing all these demonic Mm -hmm. voices. But as I was doing that, as I was going deeper, searching for Him, singing Him these songs that I made up, you know, that because you see David saying, You rode the clouds to rescue me, and, and or the psalmist saying that kind of stuff. And so I would make up those songs and say, If you rescued them, you can rescue me. And he did, he just met me there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't all of a sudden where I was changed at that very moment, but it, it, it took some time with him in my life, just keeping at me, keeping at me. John, when I when I started looking for him he drew me near and and so just was telling me the whole time I didn't have to live like that Mm. so slowly but surely I made my way back to Mississippi Mm. and finally decided hey I don't have to live like that and so Jesus really met me there and changed my whole life Mm. every way I thought every time I went deeper in his word he would answer me and then he would every time I just spent my life I started working at a real job and um, was sober and just really diving in the word and listening to a bunch of preachers online Mm. and so as i kept doing that kept searching for jesus he's like okay look you need to go to a church Mm. find some community so i visited several churches and my uncle out in texas he actually paid for me to go back to school Mm. so i went to school college got that experience and, and I was just blessed that he was willing to help me. He was always willing to help me, and just I had to, you know, do the right thing. Yeah. So I went to school, got uh, hooked up with a Bible study out there in Goodman, Mississippi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I went and stayed on campus at Holmes mm-hmm. and did that first semester. And when I came back in the summer, I started working at a, a restaurant Well, I was painting also because, you know, my dad had his own painting business. And so I grew up before I started really going on my own, I learned how to paint. And so Mm -hmm. I always had that skill and started doing that on my own. Did that first summer, saved up some money. School semester rolled around. Well, I I missed my deadline to apply to stay back on the dorm out there. Uh, So I ended up coming to Richland Mm -hmm. and going there. Instead, and just picked up a restaurant job. As I worked in the restaurant when I was fourteen and seventeen, and and I did that off and on too mm. while I was in high school. So got a wait waiting job. Was making pretty good money, you know, for starting to do the right thing and. Mm just, the Lord just blessed me all the way along. And then one day I was in Bible study at home. So one of my teachers actually held a Bible study Mm -hmm. and the drummer named Mark (laughs) Goins, he actually invited me. He's like, Hey man, look, we're, uh, we're starting, we're launching a church Mm -hmm. and I think you should come on the launch date. And so I went to foundry. Elijah actually came and preached so the Bible. He was a speaker at the Bible study one day, talked about the opening of the church and this and that. And so, you know, I'm still kind of getting my bearings living. I wasn't a menace to society anymore. I
0: was
1: (laughs) just doing the right thing. And and so the Lord opened that door for me to be invited in the foundry and started going there and, and like I said, the Lord really just started rewiring all the ones I had talked about promiscuous lifestyle. He's like, "Look, that's not the right way to live. Yeah. Follow me." So, you know, I was single for years, and and. Um, just devoted myself to the Lord. And so he, like I said, he was reworking me, rewiring me, my wants and desires, turning them to them, to his desires. And I just continued going to school and going to church at Foundry. And life was just so much better, so much easier when I was following Jesus. Mm -hmm. It really was. And I ended up thinking I had a calling to move out to Pensacola, Florida, because everybody wants that kind of calling, (laughs) right? So I made that my will and said it was God's will, because I really did think it was God's will, Mm because these doors opened up for me to go out there.
0: Yeah.
1: And moved out there, went to school out there also, Pensacola Mm -hmm. State College and it was a time of loneliness i was so alone out there mm. after finally finding a community yeah. and groups and things like that and so i i got out there and it was lonely very lonely and um, I went. I finished the semester out. I was working at a washer and dryer and refrigerator place where they had used appliances and we fixed them up and sewed them. The guy owned a couple stores. Anyway, so I, I picked up those skills also and. Just like I said, it was really lonely, and so God actually opened the door for me to move back.
0: Yeah. And How long I'm, were you there before you moved back? Six
1: months, four okay. to six months, so not long, yeah. but, it, but it was a time of just um, very lonely time. Yeah. yeah moved back to Mississippi and started with that rest. I left to the restaurant on good terms,
0: mm-hmm.
1: went there, worked there for a good half a year again. Mm-hmm. And then I was walking outside and the Lord told me, Don't, wouldn't you rather be working outside? Mm-hmm. And so I really would because it's, you know, customer service with people, is uh,
0: Yeah, it's horrible. It <laughs> yeah.
1: Just did that. And I was like, yeah, Lord, I do want to work outside. So there is this lead generation platform called Thumbtack where contractors can pay for leads. And so anybody that's looking for a service like painting, repairs, they would put their information online and it would shoot out to a couple contractors. So with uh, anything that you buy leads, it's like speed to lead. Mm-hmm. So I was first to respond and I got a bunch of jobs that way. And mm-hmm. so got a bunch of painting jobs that way and then my dad had some old clients that he shut down his business and they would call him and he was like, Eddie, do you want to go do these jobs? Go get bids on them. (laughs) I was like, yeah. So I did that for quite a while and then, you know, I told you when I was out in Texas and I was trying to get sober, mm-hmm. the Lord really did press something on me when I was out there sitting outside. He was telling me about my life. He was like, you're going to go to North Carolina and then you're going to do, do school for real estate. Mm. And I was like, okay. And you know, when when the Lord is just like giving you little revelations, it's like, yeah, but how and when? You're kind of yeah. expecting it to be right around the corner. Well, I got that word and it's four, four years later before it actually happened, Yeah, and it was so strange how it happened because I thought I was going to be going to school in North Carolina to be a realtor, mm-hmm. and so that wasn't the case. I actually went on vacation to North Carolina because my grandmother and grandfather live out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, went on vacation out there, and when I came back, the board was like, you ready? And uh, I was like, yeah, but I thought I was going to school in North Carolina. I looked online, school started exactly like two weeks later. Mm. And so it was $600. I had that, paid the $600, went to school for five weeks to learn about the national portion and the state portion of real estate, the Mm. laws, just be familiar with it. Not to know in depth of the laws, but know what they are and be familiarized with that kind of stuff and financial stuff they have a lot of portions on it yeah so i did that and ended up finishing school and just kind of put that on the back burner for a second Mm -hmm. because i was getting really busy with painting Mm. and contracting work and so i went and took the license tests and it was hard. Yeah. So
0: <laughs>
1: it did take me a couple times to, to pass it. But then I finally passed it and ended up talking to some guy at church and his dad ended up being a broker. Mm. So instead of me going to all these different brokers, I went directly to his dad and he gave me a job and um, ended up. Doing really well. Did 26 transactions my first year. Had um, was on the buy side, helped people find houses, helped people sold houses, and mm-hmm. it was uh, it's really incredible how the Lord just lined that up for me. Yeah, like mean, because I, I took at it a word, a whole different kind of word, but it was just He has His perfect timing with everything. Yeah. And so, just been really blessed in that aspect. And this is the second full year in real estate. Mm-hmm. And so, just continuing on with the Lord, He's opened so many doors. And I actually got my local license to um, be a pastor with Boundary.
0: Oh, awesome!
1: And then I last at the beginning of this year, I got my district license. Mm-hmm. Um, to uh with the church of Nazarene. Okay. And so working towards coordination now. Wow. I went back to school for Bible college this time. And it's just been it's been challenging and and you know in those challenging spots in those in those tough spots that's where the growth happens mm-hmm. and so just been growing crazily yeah. and you know I've been traveling to different churches and preaching and so that's what I was like this last couple weeks when I wasn't preaching it was like what's my purpose in life Hmm. because I, I told about God's word told how he saved me was a witness in telling what he's done for me and it's like gosh I feel like I need to be putting together something to tell somebody about how Jesus has saved me and so it's been so awesome to just be transformed by Jesus Mm because you go to where you walk around where you, you so paranoid that you don't even talk to people
0: because
1: mm. you think everybody's the police trying to arrest you because <laughs> you're going through some psychosis from the drugs yeah. into this whole new creation of a person mm. only by Jesus. Yeah. Only by only by God. And Definitely. it's uh my sister was like she even asked me the other day who would have thought you ever would have been able to talk to anybody? And I, was, <laughs> I was on the news the other day. Such a sister thing to say. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They actually interviewed me. This reporter I was following up with interviewed me on the news about the market, real estate market. And so she, she said exactly that. Who would have thought you would have ever been able to talk to anybody? <laughs> and so... You know, I just like I said, it's it's been a blessed life ever since I started following Jesus. Yeah.
0: I love it. And whenever you came to Foundry, did you know like kind of right away like this is the place you wanted to be or
1: Yeah, so when I came to Foundry, it was um it was overwhelming because they really they really made it all about welcome, mm. welcoming. And so after I came a few times, I I was like 28, 29 when I came, and mm-hmm. I was still one of the oldest people there.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And But Molly, um, she was Molly Bowser at the time. She just got married to Cody. But she was really welcoming, and she asked me to get involved serving, mm-hmm. and yep. that was the first time that anybody asked me to be a part of something that was like loving and something that, you know, you can you can feel. Yeah. And so she asked me to be a part of the greeting team or something like that. Yeah. And so it was really cool. We were at Table One Hundred mm-hmm. in Flowood when we first launched.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's where I served at and so it was, it, like I said, it was overwhelming with love. Yeah. And you could feel that every time you went to Foundry.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that's where I was going to end up, but I knew that's what love felt like. Yeah. And so once you get around those type of people and and once you're brought into the community, you know that community holds you accountable. Mm-hmm. And so it's not only like, I don't want to let that God down with... Um, the way I live I don't want to let these people down either
0: yeah
1: and so so that community was just filled with love and 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 they they pushed me and that threw me also and, and made me communicate with other people and so it was all around the Holy Spirit you know it said that That's the most common thing the Holy Spirit does, is Mm. empowers you to speak and be bold about Jesus. Yeah. And so, yeah.
0: Since you've gotten married, I know like it's a new transition and you have to get used to a lot of things. Are you, have you figured out like a way to stay in the word every day or like, are you still kind of adjusting
1: the both of y'all? Right. Yeah. You know, Prayer is so powerful mm-hmm. because you look at the people that started, you know, the people that God used to start these revivals and these these whole new branches of churches and denominations and things like that, mm-hmm. and the people that were used just to start rehabilitation centers and things like Team Challenge mm-hmm. and places like that, you, you see a common theme. Is prayer. Yeah. You know, you see these people praying hours a day, mm-hmm. and you know Paul talks about always being in prayer.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and I think that's good, and I think you can do that. But I also think that setting aside time where you just spend praying, because you know once you're once you're in a, a relationship with Jesus, you're constantly in prayer because you're talking to Him and receiving what He says.
0: Yeah.
1: But there's also a time to sit. And sit and just bring all your needs to Jesus, yeah. financial needs, mm-hmm. anything, your, your relationship needs, any needs you can think of. He's a good father and he does it. He wants to he yeah. wants to give you things. Yeah. And so, yeah, prayer has been huge and, and prayer is something you might not see the fruit of right away yeah because a lot of these people that did start revivals and things like that mm-hmm. they died before any of that fruit any any before any of the spread
0: yeah and but
1: they were consistent in prayer and faithful, and God was faithful. Yes. So He took care of them with their daily provisions. You know, God still takes care of people that don't even pray to Him, don't believe Him. He gives us rainwater, provides, and, and things like that. And so, I mean, it's huge. And you don't see the fruits of these prayers. Some of them you do right away, what you ask for. But others are six months down the road, years down the road. And so I think the the whole point of it is to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're going to go up and down. And you're going to have valleys and peaks. And then I was told that growth happens in those valleys because when you're up a high, you're doing good. But as long as you still remember Jesus, you know, a lot of people tend to forget who Jesus was, is when they're doing good. But yeah, prayer and scripture reading, I've read the Bible, multiples, of times, like the first time was when I was hearing the voices
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then just picking up reading front to back and I just really devoured the word. It was just like, it was so good for me. I just wanted to know everything there was. And it's so simple.
0: Yeah. And I mean, now you're in school, like for yeah. like being coming a pastor and I'm sure you get a lot of like Bible scripture reading through that as well.
1: Yeah. And so it's so simple, but then there's symbolism in it too Mm -hmm. there's different stages different tiers if you will yeah Yeah, layers and so you can go as deep as you want to go yeah
0: do you ever bring that home and like have discussions like with lauren about it just because it's like interesting and you enjoy it
1: yeah yeah absolutely and lauren um you know we've been trying to find her groove because we've only been married a month yeah and lauren actually has a um associates or bachelors in christian studies so she has um some a wealth of knowledge too and so yeah just learning from her and being able to pour into her and she pours into me. It's just been so helpful.
0: Yeah, sounds like a like a really healthy, uplifting relationship, which is wonderful. I'm very happy for both of y'all. I heard actually from Lauren the other day that um, future wise, y'all might be considering um, fostering or I think you already applied, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yeah, and there's such a need for fostering in America. I think the last time I checked, there was 400,000 kids that were in foster care. Wow. And so, and then last year, there was over a million couples that were married. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you look at it in that aspect, one couple could take one kid and we could wipe out the problem of fostering.
0: Yeah. What kind of brought y'all to like the idea of fostering
1: oh you know the whole idea of God adopting us mm, into yes. his family so before we were married we were, we were talking about how God just brought us into the family and how God's just done a work in both of our lives and so that kind of was the groundwork right there. That was the foundation of, yeah, we want to bring a kid into our family so we can bring him into God's family and pour into them. Yeah. And so we did. We got the all our application stuff in. We got fingerprints done Tuesday Nice. yesterday and so normally it takes hundred and twenty days for this to happen but mm-hmm. they were ready to um, work with us as fast as we could work yeah and so we'll hear back about the fingerprints and then we will look into getting a teenager Mm -hmm. because, you know, zero to five is the most wanted.
0: Yeah. And then
1: kids seem to get left behind once they get a little bit older. Right. So we're going to bring in, because we live in a two-bedroom right now, but we're actually moving down the road to Jackson um, from Clinton, and we have a three-bedroom. So we're looking at having kids of our own yeah. we're still going to adopt. You know? right? And what if, whatever God doors open, whatever doors open from God, we're going to walk in. And so that's where we're at in that process.
0: I love that. Well, the last thing that I always ask my people that I interview is words of wisdom. Do you have any words of wisdom that you can offer our listeners today?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, um, been huge building the foundation on Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and everything else there's that peace that comes with that it's just it's indestructible yeah like worry over money worry over where we're gonna live things like that it just all melts away whenever the more we focus on Jesus, all of the cares are gone, the more he provides. And you know, testing God with giving him anything He'll multiply it back to you, yeah. and that's not to say like you give him money, he's going to give you so much more. But mm-hmm. the peace that he gives yeah. is worth so much more than any treasure you could get. Yeah. And so, just the Bible reading, the prayer, the prayer is the biggest thing because it's one of the biggest things. Aside from, you know, acts of mercy and and helping others, visiting the sick. And so, I mean, once you're all in for Jesus, there's nothing else. Yeah. There's nothing else that compares to it. So just just keep leaning into Jesus and everything else fades away except for what He wants. And that's literally... Visiting sick, visiting people that are gone away that people forget about. Yeah. Helping kids, helping others. And then that intimate relationship with him. Because, you know, Jesus always mm-hmm. went by himself to go be with the Father. Yeah. That's where he got his daily bread. That's where he got his strength, His all those miracles, that faith to do the miracles yeah. by going away and being with God. And so that's huge, just that intimate time with God.
0: Yeah, I love that. In the last episode that was uploaded on my podcast, um, their word of wisdom was, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things be added to you. And honestly, your story feels like an actual like, living representation of that verse. Seek first the kingdom and all these things be added to you. I mm-hmm. mean you got to a place where, like like you said, you were rock bottom and then you, like, reached out to God. He brought you to a place where you could feel peace and joy and, like, have all these things you, honestly, like you said, like, you didn't even know you could have. Um... And I don't know, it's very inspiring. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate you doing this and coming on here. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. And that's all the time we have for today, you guys. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you'll come back and listen next week as well. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.